to Everything a Season, Lutheran Reflections Through the Church Year, a weekly devotional series based on readings relevant to the current liturgical season. You can watch this series live on our YouTube page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for tuning in, and now on to this week's discussion. Welcome. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to To Everything a Season, Lutheran Reflections Through the Church Year. My name is William Green, and as always, I'm joined by Pastor Brian King. Tonight, we're continuing our Sharing the Faith series, uh, getting kind of toward the end. We have one more planned episode of that series after this. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, just another quick note that this episode is once again pre-recorded, just as last week. So if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, uh, at our normal seven o'clock time on Wednesdays, just a quick note that this is pre-recorded. We're not live tonight. Uh, we will once again try to answer your questions that you have uh, in the chat. So uh, either Pastor King or myself or both will be online at that time, hopefully. And we will either answer your questions uh, in chat or during not next week's episode, but the week following, because next week's episode will also be pre-recorded. But after that, we will go back to our normal live broadcast uh, in two weeks. Sounds good. Sounds good. Great. And so uh, to the business at hand tonight. Um, so coming to the end of our Sharing the Faith series, and throughout this whole series, we've been teasing that we're going to uh, share some practical information for ways you can share your faith with other people. And we're getting more into the practical aspect tonight. A lot of it has been kind of theoretical, uh, but kind of laying the groundwork for what we're doing this week and next week. And so uh, hopefully tonight is what you've been anticipating and looking forward to. Yeah, a fellow at a church I was at years ago used to say he grew flowers for a living. And he used to say, you can't deal from an empty wagon. Mm. So hopefully the last month or so we've been giving you thoughtful or good thoughts, good ideas scriptural ideas that will help you when someone talks to you and, and that you get these golden moments when you can share your faith because they are golden. Absolutely. And yeah, it's not that what we've talked about before this is unimportant, but um, I think throughout this whole series, people have been looking for practical, concrete tips, things they can say when sharing their faith. And uh, we've kind of been talking about some of the difficulties you face. And these are, these are important things to understand you know, beforehand kind of going into this. Uh, but now we're getting into the real meat and potatoes of what we wanted to talk about during this entire series. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not always what you say or what you have to say. So one practical thing I do is I, we, have, we get portals of prayer at our church from Concordia Publishing House. Mm-hmm. It's a quarterly prayer book. So three months at a time with, with a daily devotion. And I'll joke with people, say a serviceman comes to work on the lift at church or something, I'll, I'll, I'll grab a portal of prayer and say, hey, you, you really shouldn't leave the church without a prayer. Mm. And, uh, and I'll hand them a, a portal of prayer. But I also try to do that at home. I'll, I'll try to grab a few extras and keep them by my front door. And if someone comes uh, to the house for something, if we have company over, I'll say, oh, here, I, I like to give these to people who have visited our house. That's so simple. And it's it's not... It's not uh, hard. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's no conver- There's no discussion. There's, oh, here, I have, I have something for you. 
Yeah, I really like that approach because, you know, a lot of people are in the habit of giving out like gospel tracks. And um, this is kind of an alternative to that. And it's something that's in my mind, maybe a little bit more, more practical. It gets them in the word every day, should they choose to use it. Yeah. And so it's something that has, you know, some practical use to the person you're giving it to. And hopefully has some like lasting value to them rather than a gospel track. Not that a right. gospel track is necessarily a bad thing, but it has a little bit more substance, it seems, than, than that. Yeah, it is. A, is it a more? It is a more substantial gift, and you you can order these from Concordia Concordia Publishing House, which is easy to find online. Uh, we we get extras at church for people who want to hand them out. I've I have left them in doctors' offices and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, I think okay, I'm going to leave this. I had one in my pocket, or I get on the elevator if I'm visiting someone, and, I, and if I have a large print pearls of prayer, and they they kind of look at it. And I'll say, oh, that's the prayer book I'm giving. To, would you like one? And if I have one in my coat pocket, I'll give them a smaller version because they come in three different sizes. So this is a really simple way to to share God's message of love with someone that it, it's it's non-confrontational. Mm-hmm. It's, they, they don't need to respond. Like you're not asking for anything. You don't want money for it. You're just giving yeah. them something. That's practical. The, the other practical things that, you know, having, if you come into my home, there's a, a picture of, uh, above our fireplace of Christ uh, being nailed to the cross. Mm-hmm. It's quite an impressive uh, piece of artwork. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a silent witness, but it'd be hard, be very hard for someone to enter my house, be in my house at all and not see that. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big, a big piece of art and it, it's, it's the heart of our faith is Jesus crucified. Right. And yeah, that's, I think that's a good point. There are things that you can either wear or put in your homes that are conversation starters and you can be somewhat intentional about, um, you know, displaying these conversation starters, whether it be like a cross necklace or something in your home, something that kind of grabs people's attention and might prompt them to ask a question about your faith, right? Yeah, I, I don't have bumper stickers. I know that people have the fish symbol sometimes. And, and mm. I, I, in my mind, I, I always think I can't reduce my, I would like to put on a bumper sticker this, these words, I can't reduce my faith to a bumper sticker. <laughs> it, you know, God loves you. They'd probably be the best bumper sticker you could ever get. Uh, yep. Jesus died for you, things like that. Very straightforward. So, you know, these little things around our homes, uh, little things that we can hand people, it's, 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 it's easy. And depending on your driving skills, you might not want people knowing you're a Christian, right? I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know. When you're on the road. <laughs> I know, I know. That's, yeah, that's always been a thought of mine. So yeah. what yeah. kind of witness? It, it, it's never, you know, there's, it's not the question of whether you are a witness to Christ. It's whether you're a good one or a bad one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Something to keep in mind. Okay. That's right. So practically, we talked about some of these big ideas about faith and law and gospel and all, and, and, and the framework for sharing our faith can be the Apostles' Creed, that it's triune in nature, all those things. But getting these ideas of Scripture into your head, you, you sometimes think, I have to memorize that verse, or I've got to, what, what chapter and verse is that again? And you mm-hmm. As if you as if you're writing a, a a paper where it's footnoted and the referenced and all that, mm-hmm. and I like to get people to think about the idea behind the verse. Right. Why are some of these verses important? What's the idea behind them? And then and then put it in your own words. We talked about that when we talked about the creed. That the people who were compiling the creed they they did take sections of scripture and you can find those phrases in there, but they also phrased it in their own words appropriate for the context of the day. Right. 
feel free to do that with the with the biblical message. And we I did talk give some examples of that a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's that's a good tip because not I'm not denigrating memorizing scripture in any way. And it's it's very good to know like a book and chapter reference. But if you're speaking to a non-Christian, chance, chances are when you're sharing your faith for the first time with them, they're not going to care about the chapter and book reference. No. So so even if you have that in your mind, you can give that to them. But it's almost like, you know, what are they going to do with that information? If they don't know what the Bible is to begin with, they're not going to care what chapter and verse it is. And, and uh, just, ne- just let me insert a little something here, Will. They, they may even tune out mm-hmm. when you give the chapter and verse reference number of a book. No, I think you're right. Okay. It's, it's getting technical or something or they're getting in deep or something like that. People are going to feel that way. Yeah. Or, or it, sometimes it just feels a little bit too scripted. Like I think people get turned off if they perceive you to be just like spouting off something you've memorized. It seems like impersonal, right? Yeah. And, and, can, and so, yeah. yeah, if you're able to like put it in your own words or contextualize it to the conversation you're having, that's all the better. It's not going to appear as robotic, I think. Yeah. I, I think especially with... Um, like doing some of this at Liberty University in the past and, and the way they kind of taught some evangelism techniques there, I think it did run the risk of coming off a little bit too robotic or scripted because you're given these like gospel tracks and then like you almost have a script of what you're supposed to say in the conversation with these people. Like uh, on this page, you say these words. On the next page, you say these words. And it just comes off as impersonal. Yeah, and I understand the rationale for creating a, a, a witnessing program like that because it's really difficult, and, mm-hmm. and that that script can be a bit of a crutch in a good way. Mm-hmm. But it does come off still as a, a scripted, you know, just going through the program as if right. you're as if you're selling something, right? Yeah, and that that's something we, we always try to avoid. We're not selling anything. Yeah, and I I think if you combine what we're saying now with what we said in some of the previous episodes, you know, just trying to spark organic conversations where people naturally ask questions about either something you're wearing, or you mentioned a conversation you had a few episodes ago in the Costco, uh, like checkout line, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Like people, people are going to ask you hopefully like specific questions. And so, um, that sort of thing isn't conducive to like a script. You just want to be answering their questions genuinely. Right. Yes. And, and so instead of providing like a specific script of something to say when you're sharing your faith tonight, uh, we hope to provide some specific scripture verses that will kind of point you in the right, right direction of sharing the main ideas of what our faith entails. And then you can kind of use these verses uh, in a way that fits whatever conversation you're having with someone. Right. Okay. Do you want to jump into some of them now? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we, yep. I have them up. So here's one, Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, this is a really judgmental statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, it's basically saying, spiritually, we are in trouble. Mm-hmm. But it's good to understand that this this is the reality. This is our spiritual reality. That are right. our iniquities, fancy word for sin. And this again, Hebrew parallelism, you get iniquities in one verse or one line and sins in the other. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. This is the problem. And we we sometimes, without Christ, without God, we feel that that weight. We feel that sort of guilt. Something isn't right. Something isn't right. That sort of anxious feeling. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, there's kind of two ways this can go with people, I feel like. Like, I feel like some people are really affected by their sinfulness. Like, so, so, non, so a lot of non-Christians recognize that they have shortcomings and that weighs heavily on them. And their conscience is troubled by that. And so the gospel message can be a great hope to those people. Uh, but on the other side of the spectrum, kind of the, like we mentioned in our first episode, there are... I think some people who don't recognize that sinfulness is a problem at all, right? Um, Sinfulness isn't something that confronts a lot of people in secular culture. It's not not something that people like to think about. No, so if we're sharing... Yeah, so if we're talking to someone, they're either going to get this idea or not, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't change the fact that that's the reality. Right. And this is this idea about this separation between us and God, is what makes it very difficult for the non-believer to understand our message. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't think that somehow by quoting a few verses, all of a sudden that they're going to get everything about faith. Right. It doesn't happen. This is right. this is this is our situation. Our our sins, our iniquities have have separated us from God. So if someone says to you, "Well, I, I don't I don't feel God. I don't feel God in my life. I don't feel close to God." Well, then you can say, well, yeah, that's because we, we all of us were sinful people, and that brought about this separation. Mm-hmm. So I've just rephrased this verse in a way that conveys the same idea, but I didn't quote the verse. Right. Okay, and that's sort of the goal with these verses. Learn the idea. What's what's the main idea between behind Isaiah 59? Our sins have, have really broken our relationship with God. Right. Okay. Right, and, and this is something that, people might not understand when you give them this idea. Um, I think a lot of people, especially maybe in Canada, this is a bigger problem for you guys than it is down here where Catholic culture is a little bit more prevalent. Um, Some people still have this mentality that Christianity is kind of like this works-based religion. If you do good things, you go to heaven. If you do bad things, you go to hell. And so some people might have this idea that, well, I'm a generally good person. And so I don't really have to worry about any of this. Like, like I'm going to, I know I'm going to heaven because I'm doing good things. Uh, I haven't done anything really bad in my life. And so this idea that any sort of sin creates a separation from you and God is something that might need to be emphasized to dispel some of those uh, misconceptions. The works the works righteousness conceptions. Mm-hmm. And, and another one that you and I've talked about, another idea behind that is that because our behavior and our sinfulness has broken our relationship with God, some people are probably going to think that we're trying to tell them that they can fix that relationship with God by their behavior. Mm. Like you broke it, you fix it, right? Yep. If if my sins have caused a separation between me and God, well, if I get rid of sin, then then I can restore that relationship with God, except I can't. Yep. And that that's something we have to bear in mind. We're not trying to encourage people to be good so that they can get to heaven. Definitely. They, we're trying to get them to acknowledge their their real spiritual state so that they can see the remedy, which is which is Christ. For sure. Let's jump to Psalm twenty two, verse verses one and two. Okay, so this is this is written about a thousand years before Christ was crucified. He he quotes these words from the cross. We don't know quite how much of them he quotes from the cross, but definitely verse 1 my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning oh my god i cry by day but you do not answer and by night but i find no rest Mm. that's separation Mm. okay why have you forsaken me 
and we've talked about you know the 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 inherit unity in the Trinity and all of that. But here, as Jesus is on the cross, he's suffering separation, the mm-hmm. consequences of it on our behalf. This is how big a problem it is that we're separated from God. Mm-hmm. And of course, how big the cure is that it took the Son of God to fix it. Right. So if someone says to you they feel separated from God, you can, you can also say that um, Christ felt separated from God when, when he was on the cross. Now, right. that that's a that's a big issue. Christ felt that separation. He he underwent that so that we wouldn't have to be separated from him. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And again, on that same line, Isaiah fifty three. But he speaking about Jesus, and this is written about seven hundred years before Christ was crucified. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. By his separation, he fixes our separation. Right. It's huge. It, this, yeah. this, is, this is the gospel message. Right. What happened to Christ on the cross? So if someone says that they, they feel crushed or broken, direct them to the, the one who was crushed and broken in their place. Right. That, that's a really good point. Because I think a lot of people can use their hardships and sufferings as a means of kind of turning away from Christianity, turning away from God and yeah. kind of emphasizing this turns that around and offers a way to draw them in rather than push them away. Yeah. Now with this verse, there's a couple big ideas here. They're huge. He was wounded, crushed. Okay. For our transgressions, iniquities, again, the same idea, our, our sinfulness, but they're in that third line upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Now, the idea of peace in in the Bible is not just peace as an absence of war or a quiet evening with a coffee by the lake, as nice as those things are, Mm -hmm. but peace is a restored relationship with someone and especially God. Mm -hmm. So his, his being wounded restores that peace between us and God. Right. Separation, remedy. All through, all through Christ. Right. Now, the other thing, important thing is that God wants this for everybody. Mm. Okay. Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All nations. Right. This isn't confined to any sort of cultural or historical context. It's something universal. Yes. And... The, the idea, the, the universality of our Christian message is very important because people will start to think that, oh, just Christ died for a group of people or just some of people or not everybody's sinful. Um, this verse in Romans speaks to that. Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're all in the same boat. Right. Right. And yeah, this universality is something that you might need to emphasize more in our current day than in decades past, because I I think it is true that some people see Christianity as like a religion specific to a certain cultural group. Right. Um, It's seen as like a Western religion. And it's it's, kind of interesting. People get these like specific religious identities and they tie them up with things like race or where you're from. And um so this is something that isn't immediately apparent to a lot of people. 
uh, that Christianity is a religion for everyone, all races, right? It's not, it's not a Western religion. It's not just for, uh, you know, Europeans or Americans or something like that. Um, no, it's that's an important all. thing to understand, right? It, it is. And because, because what you, if God is love, which we say he is, then he loves all people. And in saying that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, that we're all in that same boat where we all need help, it's, it's, a, it's a leveling idea. Mm-hmm. It, it levels the playing field. I'm no better than you. You're no better than your wife. I'm no better than my neighbor. We're all in the same boat together that without Christ is sinking. Right. And from a sharing your faith perspective, that might be another good thing to emphasize is that we are all in the same boat. Like it, it's not just me telling you that you're a sinner and you need to repent because I think that's another c- kind of conception people have about Christians is that a lot of them are like kind of this uppity attitude or a holier than thou attitude. And so if you emphasize that we're all in this together, the human condition is the same for everyone. That kind of removes some of that stigma that people might have against Christianity. Right. right. And, and even Jesus, he appeared normal. Yeah. Okay. He came to be one of us and he was one of us. And we as Christian people think should, should never think that we're not like them mm-hmm. or we're different from those people. No, we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. That level playing field helps us to, I mean, you know, when you talk to someone who has a problem and if you've had that problem in the past, you can say to them, oh man, yeah, I know that happened to me a couple of years ago and whatever it is, might've been a, a blown transmission in your car. Mm-hmm. You can commiserate that it's going to cost you know four thousand dollars to fix it. Commiseration, right? You can, right. You, you you get in right there with them and and say, yeah, I, I know what I know how you feel. Right. And part of that separation feeling, or that feeling of anxiety, or that feeling of hopelessness, we can relate to that. Yep. Okay. okay. For sure. In Romans six, it says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." Our behavior, what we are as sinful people, that's that's the problem. The fix is a free gift. Right. Again, came about because of who we are and our behavior, our our deplorable state, but we can't fix it. Right. By our actions, by our activity. Right. Okay. And again, and, emphasizing this is a gift, it's not something you earn. No, and that's you know, for the wages of we earn we earn death. Yeah. Right? But we can't earn life. Right. Okay? Yeah. That's, that's what this point. verse that's what this verse is saying. You you've earned death. Uh do you want life? You, you can't earn it. Right. It's it's a gift. It's 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 by grace. It's an undeserved an undeserved gift. Uh what's the what's the distinction that grace um mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. I think I yes. mentioned that before, right? Yep, I've heard that one before. Yep. Yeah. Okay, now Romans eight twenty eight is it's it's a sometimes people are going to talk to you and they may know that you have faith, they may talk to you when they're having a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that, and I mean I remember walking out of a hospital room a few years ago, and the husband his wife was in the hospital bed very sick, and we're walking out of the out of the hospital room, and I just said to him, "Boy, this stinks," and he looked at me, you know. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be, you know, what, painting this bright, rosy picture? No, his wife was in pain. His wife was sick. 
the reality was this stinks. Okay. And he looked at me and then we started talking at a little deeper level. Romans 8, 28 is a verse I've gone to for decades. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So especially in the midst of hard times, that's when we can look to God and say, well, okay, you got to help me through this and you're, and you're going to help me through this. And this is a nice, you know, verse that gives us some consolation that God will work good out of it. Right. It doesn't say all things are good. Right. Okay. So. You can share with someone the idea that, okay, God's going to work through this. And I don't mean it in some Pollyannish or look for the silver lining. No, no, no. We may not know until we get to heaven what good God worked out of it. But we, we console ourselves as Christian people that God is going to work good out of it. Right. That's actually a really important distinction because I think a lot of people take this verse to mean something like um, everything that happens to you in this life is like, as good as it could possibly be, right? So if, yeah. if you lose a spouse unexpectedly or too early, like God wanted that to happen and uh, like that's ultimately what's best for you. But I think there's some consolation in the way that you kind of frame this, that like sometimes genuinely bad and evil things happen. They do. Right? And God can still use those things for good in your life and he does. He right? does. Um, and we, yeah, just because we're Christian doesn't mean that all of a sudden our life is going to be, you know, easy peasy. Right. That's, that's not the point. Sometimes, right. I mean, tell that to Job, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the point of this verse isn't to minimize the evil in the situation. Like there are a lot yeah. of people who experience very hard, difficult, evil things. And this verse isn't minimizing the badness or the evilness. It just is offering that hope that no matter how bad or evil something is, there are still some good that will come from it that God will work out of that situation. Even if we don't know what that is and, and that's okay. We're dealing with spiritual things that are so often just not tangible, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of Mm -hmm. obvious to say, but we we need spiritual comfort now. So another thing talking about if some, something bad happens to someone or they're going through a tough time, another easy way to witness is simply to say, Oh, I'm going to pray about that. Mm. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you. Or what's your mother-in-law's name? You said she was suffering with cancer. What what's her first name? I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for her. Mm. That's something that that doesn't need a response. It's not confrontational. It's not. It hopefully doesn't put the other person, um, you know, on the defensive. Right. But here's a very simple way to share your faith. I think prayer is important. I think God loves us. I'm gonna talk to God about what's going on in your life. Right. Yep. No, I think you're exactly right. And I, I think it's a minority of the population that would be offended by something like that. There, I know there are people out there who do get offended when you say, I'm going to pray for you about such and such. Okay. But yeah. I, I, I do believe that those, that's a, a minority of the population. Most people, if they're going through a hard time, they see it as a gesture of goodwill and care and concern. And here's a little but, practical tip. Don't try to sound all holy and righteous when you tell them that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, don't, you're not coming from some position of power or some high and lofty position of being better. Mm-hmm. That's not why you're offering to pray for them. Mm-hmm. You're offering to pray for them because you care. Right. Because it's really easy to come off uh, either judgmental or, you know, if someone's having a problem or dealing with some sin. Oh, well, I'll pray for you. As if you're somehow better than them. Right. That's, that's true. Easy to, that's easy to convey with our tone of voice, isn't it? It's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll pray for you. 
you know, because I've got this in with God, right? <laughs> right. I'm not suffering the way you are. I'm going to pray. Don't just get that out of your tone of voice. Get that out of your mannerism. Simply convey this idea that, hey, I'm going to keep that in my prayers. Right. Casual, natural, not weird. See, I, I think one of the biggest problems with it when Christian people share their faith is they get weird, right? Yeah. They use it, weird it's, language. It's true. Yeah, we, we use yeah. weird language. We we try to talk like we're Shakespeare and all that stuff. And uh, right, the old well, it's language. True. It's true. Like when you have these scripts, like we were talking about earlier, like it's like a a switch flips in your mind when you start talking about this stuff. Like you start sounding scripted. You're not speaking yeah. organically in a, in a lot of ways, right? And uh, people like sense that. Like people uh, will pick up on that. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And. Yes, sir. Go ahead. One more thing before we depart from the this idea of like offering prayer for for strangers. There is this kind of unfortunate uh, experience, at least here in the U.S. I'm sure it's probably true in Canada as well. But um, you have like politicians like offering thoughts and prayers, and that's kind of become like a bit of a sore spot for a lot of non-Christians. Like as you're doing it like instead of doing something to fix the problem, right? right? And so that's just another thing to, I guess, kind of have in our minds when we offer prayer for other people. Some people see thoughts and prayers and they see, well, okay, well, this is like a substitute for doing something helpful about the situation. And like, depending on what you're offering prayer for, I think there's probably uh, bigger and smaller risks of having that perception. But yeah, I think the big thing is just to, to don't act or sound as if you're coming from a better position than them. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, 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 there's a word for it. It's called being humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 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 Be yep. humble. When you, when you say you're going to pray for somebody, say it quietly, say it gently, say it mm-hmm. lovingly. Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to pray about that. That sounds tough. Yeah. Not, Oh, I will pray for you because I'm right. a better person than you. <laughs> right. All that stuff. That, that, it, right. It's, it's easy to slip into that. Just don't pra- yeah. practical tip, practical tip. Okay. Now, this is, you know, so famous. John three sixteen, you see it held up on signs at football games and things like that. You should understand this verse. This is a conditional statement. Hmm. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Which verse seventeen I actually think is proclaims the gospel more clearly. Mm-hmm. Now, verse 18 states our condition. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. These are true statements, but mm-hmm. verse 16 in particular is conditional. Mm-hmm. And I think we should be careful when we share John three sixteen to not somehow convey to the person, oh, if you get your act together and then you believe, then, then everything's going to be okay. Right. That's a good point because I, I think we, we kind of talked about um, this works-based righteousness is prevalent where the Roman Catholic church has an influence in the culture. But like here in the U S um, I think there's a similar problem with like American evangelicalism that like your faith is something is like a good work. <laughs> the faith turns into a good work. It's something yeah. that you have to work on. It's something that you have to do. And it, it becomes not very dissimilar from this works-based righteousness you find in the Roman Catholic Church, which is kind of interesting. Exactly. 
No, you you nailed it right there. Either you do good things get to heaven, or or you conjure up belief so that you get to heaven. Yeah. And that yeah. ends up being belief ends up being the the, the good work. Right. Now I'm going to turn your head around a bit. Belief is, you know, Jesus was asked what what works that we should do that God requires. Jesus said, "Believe on Him whom He has sent." In John six, I believe it is. So, in essence, belief is the great work that saves you. The only problem is you can't do it. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we we as Lutherans make a big deal about you know God giving us faith as a gift. We've talked about grace. Uh, you know that. <laughs> And in, in, in Luther's catechism, he says, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to him. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel. Mm-hmm. So if we use this verse in sharing our faith, we have to make sure that we don't set up this condition, which is here, it's inherent, that that person then has to go figure out how to believe. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Because That's a you... tough thing to convey in the course of a conversation with a stranger. Like, this is where I feel like being Lutheran kind of gets you in some deep theological waters, like straight away, <laughs> yes. even when you're presenting the gospel to someone. So this right. is why I want people to come back next week <laughs> yeah. and really Good. listen to how do you how do you then proclaim the gospel in such a way that doesn't make that doesn't emphasize the, the true condition of yeah. the necessity of faith. OK, so God gives us faith. We believe when we have faith, we are forgiven people. We can get stuck on this idea of faith to the point where we're we're not talking about Christ, right? Okay. If we show people Christ, if we give people Christ, God works that faith in their heart. I say that you can share the faith with someone and and nurture someone along and and with the grace of God bring them to faith, without ever mentioning the word faith or believe. Mm-hmm. Now I, w- I want people to really think about this very hard. How can you get someone to faith without mentioning faith? You talk about Christ. Mm-hmm. You show them Christ. You lead them to Christ. You give them Christ. All that stuff. Now, this verse, Romans 5, 8, which we'll close with tonight. But God shows his love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, let's get the horse before the cart. Because Christ died for us, we look to him. That's faith. Right. We don't somehow conjure up faith and then get our sins forgiven. Mm-hmm. Although we do personally, okay, <laughs> right. yeah. but yeah, the forgiveness is there, and we'll talk about some verses next week to talk about that objective. We've talked about objective and subjective faith before. Mm-hmm. It's crucial when you're sharing the faith, when you're telling people about God. It's crucial that you keep this straight. The objective reality is that Christ died to forgive us our sins. Right. When right. when God calls us to faith in that, then that's personally applied to us, and that's beautiful. Good. Yeah, so let's let's be sure to pick up next week with that subjective versus objective justification point and apply yeah. it to evangelism because I think that's a really important distinction. I, I think it's huge, and I think it, it helps us avoid this whole notion of trying to lead someone to a decision and, and all that stuff, which, you know, we're not salesmen. Right. Okay, we're not trying to convince them to buy that car with the upgraded luxury package and all that stuff. We're giving them something. Right. Not trying to manipulate them or to somehow control them to believe as we believe. That's not the point. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Should we uh, wrap it up there, Will? Yeah. Yeah, we'll pick up on that uh, next week then. Okay. More practical stuff coming next time. And I believe that you have a a prayer for us. I do. Okay. Then let's, um, 
Let's pray. Almighty God, you have called your church to witness that in Christ you have reconciled us to yourself. Grant that by your Holy Spirit we may proclaim the good news of your salvation, so that all who hear it may receive the gift of salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.